Hey everyone, this is James from mkiaudio.tk and welcome to episode 18 of the mkiaudio podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at mkiaudio, at facebook.com forward slash mkiaudio and of course over at the blog at mkiaudio.tk. The podcast page can be found at mkiaudiopodcast.tk. There you will find show notes and past episodes and you can also leave a comment on any episodes you're listening to. The podcast is also available on iTunes, so head over there and subscribe and leave me a short review while you're there. So that's the science bit out of the way for this week. Let's jump into the show. So the title of today's show is You Can Know and Have Too Much. Um, might be a little bit of a random title, but it's a bit of a mindset thing that I've been going through recently, so I thought I would share it out there with everybody else, just in case anybody else is having the same kind of thoughts. What I basically mean by this is, when I started out recording or mixing, and I'm a musician, so I had my own, uh, some of my own tracks that I wanted to record or um, sort of mix or put together and put out there. Uh, being only a, a sort of part-time musician, I suppose you could say, I hadn't the money nor the time to go into a studio somewhere to record them. And I'd done a little bit of recording in the past, so I thought, right, I'll jump into it and do it myself. Now, the, my initial thoughts on the process were, how hard can it be? Which I'm sure a lot of people have the same uh, sort of outlook on it. I soon realised after two or three tracks, once you start comparing them to everybody else's stuff, you realise that this is more of an art form than you first um, sort of thought it was. So then you head out onto the internet and you start looking about and you find mountains upon mountains of information and tips and techniques and subscribe to this and here's this and that. And you think that you will never be able to do it so you start your way off by learning one process then somebody else puts out a tutorial with um, a different tip on it and you think right better go and learn that one i'm going to need that one in my mix then the next week somebody puts out a blog article with something else and you think you have to learn that sooner or later you end up with hundreds of techniques that you think you need to know and you think you can't do a proper mix or a proper track until you know them so what happens is you end up making absolutely no music and you spend your life on YouTube and on forums trying to figure out who's doing what or what way they're doing it. And it's not a very productive way of thinking. Now, fair enough, at the end of it all, you might know quite a lot of stuff. But in the two years or three years it's took you to learn all those little tips and tricks, you will have made absolutely no music where somebody who has dived into it and had a go and learnt as they went and sort of got the basics down, they'll have made maybe two or three albums in the time you have made nothing. So it's something that I've been trying to convince, I've been telling myself I need to know every single technique before I can ever do any kind of recording or mixing. Well, sorry, I can do a certain kind of recording and mixing if I don't know anything and that's bad recording and mixing. But if you want to do decent recording and mixing there's a certain amount of things you need to know but that certain amount of things that you need to know is a lot lower than what some people might think 
Now, the way I have been putting it in my own head recently is for the things I need to know, there's a sort of a set of core elements that you need to know to sort of get you started. Now, you can do it without knowing these and it will most likely end up horrible. If you want to make at least a middle-of-the-road recording or something that's going to sound good and it isn't going to stick out like a sore thumb beside a professional mix, you're not going to go out there and put out sort of top 40 kind of stuff in your first few mixes. That is the thing you need to learn over years of practice. However, to get you started for your first project, you need this sort of set of core elements. And so I just sort of decided that I need to concentrate on those. And those are the kind of things that a beginner needs to concentrate on before they move on to learning more advanced techniques. Because fair enough, your mix will sound great if you have lots of little fancy and intricate delays and reverbs put through it that are timed specifically to the beat and lots of little tricks and frills. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to put those in there and you're not doing them right, it's only going to do it harm. So if you get the core elements down, they will make your track sound 10 times better than if you have every technique under the sun in that one track and it's done badly. Now, as usual, I think the biggest problem comes down to the amount of choice people have today. If you were starting off in the analog days, which I haven't experienced and I can't really imagine what it would be like, but let's say you couldn't get into a studio as a, for an internship or um, an apprenticeship, so you had your only option was to go out on your own. Well that might not have been an option full stop because you were talking thousands of pounds just to get just to get a signal chain to get a microphone recorded onto something at least at a, a sort of pro level whereas nowadays you know little jimmy in his bedroom is using the exact same daw as the highest paid uh recording and mixing engineers um sort of Nashville or you know some of the real hubs of recording and that would never have been the case in the olden days so little Jimmy can also go out and buy a lot of the same gear maybe not all the same gear he can also go out and buy plugins to his heart's content and they're going to be the same plugins that some of those um, sort of pro engineers are using so this I think is a problem People's access to those pro engineers is a little bit more readily available now. So they see that, um, let's say, take the likes of Dave Pensado. Dave Pensado puts out a lot of amazing information and, and his Into the Lair segments on his show are brilliant. And they give you a real insight as to how some of these sort of more professional engineers are mixing and some of the skills they like to use. But if you're only starting off, well, maybe you don't need to know the same amount of tricks that Dave Pensado does. Because Dave Pensado is mixing, you know, hit records. You're mixing, most likely, yourself. Well, in my instance, I'm mixing myself. So I don't need to know all those straight out of the gate. Now, it would be nice to know them, but it's not necessary. So I looked at it in a way that what were the core elements that I think a, a beginner engineer should really concentrate on? And I dwindled them down to, I think they should concentrate mainly on EQ and compression first. Now those two alone are massive parts of mixing. But um, now I'm not talking fancy EQ tricks and fancy 
uh, compression tricks or I'm not talking about multivan compression. Just learn your way around a standard EQ and a standard compressor and get those nailed so that whenever you're looking for a specific sound, you know what settings you need to use on that compressor to get that sound. And that'll serve you a lot better than going and looking for different uh, compression tricks that are going to give you a different sound. Concentrate on getting a normal sound before you look for getting a, a different one. Okay, the other ones were panning and levels. Now, you might be thinking, well, how is levels a technique? But it's probably one of the most basic techniques you should know and maybe haven't looked a lot into. Now, everybody knows if fader moves up to turn it up and down to turn it down. But knowing where the right place is for that fader and what the balance is between the tracks is a real skill that I think you should look at first before you move on to other things. And the last ones I looked at were uh, reverbs and delays. Now, these aren't necessarily fancy things. They can be made fancy in certain ways, I suppose. But if you look, pick one reverb and one basic delay and then learn how it works. Now, whether you want to learn how an old analog tape delay works or um, sort of the convolution reverbs and different, you can pick one that you're most comfortable with and learn every setting on it and every situation that it works in. So those sort of core elements, um, if you have those laid down, you should be able to approach a mix and only use those elements to get the track sounding good at the end. Now, it is possible to use them. There may be 400 other techniques I haven't mentioned or 400 other pieces of uh, software or uh, plugins that I haven't mentioned, but at the end of the day, those main ones there should be able to get you a decent mix at the end. Now, what's the advantage of this? Well, if you're mixing a track and you're having trouble with Let's say you have a guitar in the track and you can't EQ it right. Well, your first thing would be you play around with your EQ settings. You maybe have, what, five or six different EQ plugins, so you'll try every one of them. No, still not sounding right. So out onto the internet and look up uh, how to EQ a guitar. You look through the four million YouTube videos and 700,000 Google pages that it brings up and each person is telling you a different technique to EQ a guitar. So let's say you find, what, a hundred different techniques or a hundred different sort of frequency sets that maybe work for a guitar. Well, you'll spend your time tuning in each one of them and none of them may work for your guitar. But you're missing the point. You're, you're looking to know how to... You're looking to know how to set up an EQ, or you're looking for a specific set of settings to just to plug into your EQ that make your guitar sound good. But the point is, you should be more approaching it in the way that, how can I fix it with an EQ, rather than what do I need to do to the EQ to get it to sound good. So you should know if I cut uh, 1K or 2K, what kind of sound it gives me. If I do a little boost, um, sort of around five or 600 hertz, what does it give me? You know sit down and play around with it from that aspect and try and remember what it did to the sound. That's the main thing. So again, with the compressor, um, compressor settings can be a nightmare to work out if you're only starting out. But if you play around with them for a while and get your head around what each setting on the compressor does first, there's no point going onto a website, finding settings for a compressor and sticking them on there. Fair enough, it might make your mix sound good, but it's not going to let you know how a compressor works. 
So if you hope to get anywhere in this business, you'll need to know those basic core elements off by heart. So they're not, they're a non-issue whenever it comes to mixing. You know, if you want a specific sound with your compressor, you have one compressor plug-in, you know it does this, 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 and this, and you know exactly how to get it to those settings. Well then, that's, whenever that comes up in the mix next time, you jump straight to it, rather than wasting hours upon hours trying to figure it out and trying different settings, and it's like banging your head off a brick wall. But either way, just try and limit the amount of skills that you aim to know. If you're starting off, even if you're a, a, a pro engineer or you've been at this for a while, sometimes I think we can overcomplicate things for absolutely no reason. Now, if you have a mix coming up and you know you have your 400, 500 waves plugins or you know, there's waves plugins for absolutely everything and you could probably say, what? 50% of them do the exact same things with a slightly different tone or a slightly different um, sort of setup or algorithm. Well then, for your next mix, if you have all this stuff available to you, fair enough, you may know how to use it all. Just pick one compressor, one EQ plugin, one reverb, one delay, and run with it. Now don't, just stick everything else in a separate folder or just keep these a list of these specific EQs and compressions that you want to use and then try your mix so you'll figure out that it, it makes it a little bit easier because you're not spending 20 minutes trying to choose what compressor plugin you're using. You have one so you know exactly straight away what one you're using. So this is getting into a bit of a rant. I'll cut this off. <laughs> right, I'll stop now. Listen, it's only... A piece of advice or it's the way I'm going to try and approach things from now on in. Uh, I've always tried to keep my process a little bit more simple because I, I'm i the kind of person that if I get interested in something I need to know everything about it and it's always my downfall because I spend more time learning about it than actually doing it. So this is a little bit of pep talk from my end, uh, a little bit of a counselling session. I don't have a sofa to lie down on but... Um, that was the main thing. What you need to know to make a mix is probably a lot less than what you think you need to know. So just keep that in mind. Now, the other thing I wanted to say on this topic was um, sort of coming coming at it from a gear aspect but with the same mindset. Um, people will often see what gear pro engineers use. They'll go on to Sweetwater and get lost for four and a half weeks looking through their gear lists. And there is a lot of stuff out there and there's a lot of really affordable stuff and there's a lot of stuff that costs a fortune but will probably sound a little bit better in the end. Now, last week in the podcast we had the interview with Sly and this was sort of the main topic of discussion which was gear and gear bashing etc. So we're not coming at it from that line of things. If you want to hear that you can head back to last week's episode. The thing I'm talking about is about sort of limiting your gear choices or not getting caught up in what your gear choices are. So if you have an interface or a preamp, uh, there's always going to be a better preamp. <laughs> no, there's always going to be a slightly better interface than the one you have. And fair enough, you may want it. But if you hold off using your interface to record something, until you get your new interface, well then you'll get your new interface, record two or three projects with it, oh then look they've got another new one out and that one's got a slightly different port on it or that one's got another switch on it, I wonder what that does, 
then that becomes the project of your envy. You want that one. Your recordings sound crap unless you have that interface. So the same goes for microphones. Oh, the mic I have at the minute sounds terrible. That one there would sound really nice. There's always going to be a better microphone. There's always going to be a better interface. Different dolls may do different things, but at the end of the day, they all record a sound wave into your computer and allow you to mess about with it until you're happy with the sound. So just use whatever you have and get on with it. Don't put off anything while you're gear lusting after the latest interface or mic or preamp or just try and just make the most of what you have. If you have one decent microphone, well then that one decent microphone will probably cover most things. So just go with it. And if it doesn't cover, if it doesn't sound great on guitars, what's your option? Are you going to leave guitars out of your recordings because your mic sounds crap on them? Just try and get it to sound the best you can. And if you can't afford another microphone at that point, well then just get on with it. Now if you can, and you know your current microphone sounds awful on guitars, be clever about what gear you're buying next. If you haven't got a, a microphone that sounds good on guitars, well then go out and buy a microphone that does. There's no point in going out and buying another sort of general purpose microphone that oh it does everything brilliantly because it doesn't exist. <laughs> Some people may say, well, I have a microphone, I think it sounds great on everything. That's because you own it. <laughs> Most people think the gear they have is excellent. There's very few people that go and buy something, spend seven, eight hundred pounds on a microphone, come back and go, this is terrible. You know, it doesn't happen that often. So just be careful about what you're buying next. If you haven't got a microphone that sounds great on guitars, then that's your next gear purchase, not the nice shiny new one that has... 1400 different polar patterns on it and does different uh, pads and different pickup patterns and uh, the options again are madness and they just get in the way so uh, only have the gear you need anything else throw it in the bin or send it over to me Um, only learn what you need to know to get started off if you're at a level where you need to progress on well then choose maybe you want to learn how to use multiband compression next well then make that your goal. Don't make it your goal to know everything. Learn it in stages. Uh, learn multiband compression. Maybe learn how to use triggers. Uh, maybe learn how to use MIDI samples in your recordings. Just there's different bits that you can add on to your tool set one at a time and uh, build up them, your tool set over the years rather than trying to learn everything at once and learning it badly. So that's the end of the segment today. Hopefully it'll maybe spur you on a little bit to simplify things. We're going to go on now and jump straight into the My Advice section of the show. So for my advice this week, I want to talk about the much-argued topic of home mastering. And uh, a lot of people say home mastering can't be done, it should be left to the professionals. Some other people think mastering engineers are cons and that they don't do anything that special. I personally think a good mastering engineer can make a real difference to a recording, but the problem with a mastering engineer, and this isn't a gripe in any way, is that they cost money. So it is a mixing engineer, so if you're mixing your own tracks at home, a mastering engineer can be a good way to get a professional to have a listen to you and sort of sort out the flaws that you've maybe made in your mix. But if you can't afford a mastering engineer at home, you are going to try and do it yourself. You're not going to send your tracks out there unmastered because they will sound terrible next to everything else. 
So the aim is to try and get the song sounding as best as possible without messing it up. And the one way I think a lot of people maybe mess it up in mastering is that they try and do too much. This is the theme for this week's show. Everything should be simple. Just one plug-in for everything. Right, so my advice this week is whenever you are mastering, try and do as little as possible. And the way I have tried to do it in the past, which seems to work okay, is to do it backwards. Now, by this I don't mean taking a master track and unmastering it. That would just be stupid. But I mean in your plugin chain, whenever you're mastering a track, the, usually the last thing to go on would be a limiter. And then the one before that would be a compressor. The one before that would be an EQ. Now, the one thing I will say is, if you don't need all of these things, don't put them on. If a track doesn't need EQ'd, don't go in and EQ it just for the sake of EQing it because somebody told you you have to EQ during a master. This is why I start with the very last plug-in first. So I would put my limiter on first and have that so it's just knocking down the peaks a little. No, I don't want it doing any real heavy limiting on it. I'm just knocking them down slightly. And then I'll sit back and listen to it. So once you listen to that, then if you're not quite happy with the sound, maybe it'll need a little bit of compression. So you then go in and insert your compressor before the limiter and then dial in your uh, compression settings so it's sounding good. Again, nothing too drastic. The secret is here, if you think it needs uh, 6 dB of compression, well then add 3 dB to it. You can always add a little bit more uh, later on if you need but always start with little tiny amounts first so once you've dialed in your compression you're listening to it it might sound great well then print it at that and leave it don't go to the next stage if you don't have to but if you're listening to the compression and it still doesn't sound great your low ends maybe a little bit off or uh, there's a few harsh frequencies starting to come through well then go and put an eq plug in before your compressor so your signal chain is EQ, compressor, limiter, but you're putting them in in reverse, if that makes any sense at all. So limiter is the very last thing in the chain, compressor is just before it, and the EQ is just before that. That, to me, should be enough to get you a decent home mastering job. You're never going to get the same results as you will in a professionally set up room with professional monitors and a professional sitting uh, playing about with the plugins. The aim of your game is to try and get it sounding as close as possible without screwing it up. To me, if you can master at home and not screw up the song, well then that's been a successful master. So start off with this here, you know, your limiter at the end, your compressor and your EQ and every single one of them just making tiny little tweaks. If you don't need a certain stage, leave it out. So keep everything about your recording process simple. And it will do you the world of good in the end. You'll learn a lot faster. You'll get a lot more done. And then whenever you realize you maybe need a certain skill or technique, then you can go on and learn it. But don't look at learning them kind of things at the start. So that's it for this week's show. I'm going to uh, stop now before this turns into an out-and-out -out rant. But i uh, just like to thank everybody who's listening. Um, just like to say hello to all the new subscribers i got this week. Uh, I was quite shocked whenever I went on and checked out my stats at the number of new people that are listening. So 
Uh, hope you're enjoying the show. Come and introduce yourself over at the blog. Uh, again, if you haven't already, go over and subscribe on iTunes. It's the most hassle-free way to get this podcast every week. Uh, I usually launch a new episode usually Wednesday or Thursday of each week, uh, depending on what way my time works out. So if you're subscribed on the iTunes feed, it's automatically going to dump into your uh, iTunes account. You can listen to it whenever you get a chance. Um, It's the most hassle-free way to do it. Anybody that is listening, call by and say hello on the blog. I've been speaking to a couple of listeners, and it's nice to meet everybody. I realise who is actually listening to this and get an idea of where they're coming from because it means I can tailor the show a little bit more towards them. If I... I'm talking to the listeners and I realise maybe there's not that many people that are absolute beginners listening to it. Well, then I can try and up it a little bit and do maybe a few more advanced techniques. If uh, all the pros are over listening to some of the other podcasts and I've got mainly sort of startups or beginners, well, then I can keep things basic at the start and we can try and grow this along with the podcast. So as your skills grow, I can move the podcast along with you. So call in and say hello and let me know what you're working on or where you're from or how things are going with you. I'd be happy to talk to you. So um, you can head over to MK Audio Podcast and leave a comment below this podcast and just say hello. Reach out. But that's it from this week's show. Again, thanks for listening. And until the next one, keep recording, keep mixing and keep it simple.